Hello everyone, this is Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, welcoming you to a Long Box Crusade Elseworlds episode. a Long Box Crusade Elseworlds, you might ask? Well, some of your favorite Long Box Crusade members have done some work over on some other podcast networks that you may or may not be familiar with. So from time to time, we will grab a show from the past that one or all of us has done on one of those other networks, and we'll play it for you here. Whether it's a James Bond rookie agent show from On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast Network, or a Comics with Normies from White Rocket Entertainment Network, or some other bit of alternate dimension craziness, we hope that you enjoy this presentation of Longbox Crusade Elseworlds. Hi, this is Trina Parks. I'm Thumper from Diamonds Are Forever, and you are listening to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Back to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I'm your host for this program, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Defo. And joining me as veteran Bondophile co-host is my brother, Jason, the Dark Web Albrecht. Hello. <laughs> I've come back from an exciting excursion in Canada, had a good time, and I'm ready to talk of you to a kill. I've eaten my Wheaties, I've taken my Geritol, <laughs> and I am ready to rock it with Roger Moore one more time. <laughs> That's excellent. So you did a little James Bond jaunt to Canada, did you? I did. You know, it's funny. I've lived in Washington for, help me out now, 14 years, yeah. and I've never been to Canada. Julie thought, it is time to end that drought. We're going to Harrison Hot Springs. It was a good time. I've been to Mexico twice, but never been to Canada, so... Weird. That's all right. But, Bond goes to Mexico more than he goes to Canada. So. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Although he did go to Canada in For Your Eyes Only, the story. 
but not the movie. If you recall, he was on assignment to Canada in Thunderball. Very but true. He, he was like, that one. <laughs> it's like, well, Dad, I'm going to NASA. <laughs> well, excellent, excellent. Well, this is the 14th of an ongoing series on our channel here. We call it MI6 Rookie Agents. And on Rookie Agents, Jason and I are taking two friends in our lives who are not very familiar with the 007 universe through the entire James Bond series of films, one movie at a time, to get that newcomer's point of view on the film series that we love so much here. So let's welcome our rookie agents to the show. We will start with Pat, the Dark Web Samson. What's up, Pat? Well, Jared, I am happiest in this saddle. Tell you that right <laughs> that's now. What, that's what I like to hear. I'm that. happiest in the saddle. Keep working on it. I'm yeah. happiest in the saddle. That's in the awesome. saddle. You got to get that yeah. perfect. Listen, I'm happiest in the saddle. Listen. <laughs> what do you think, Delvin? What do you think of that uh, impression? I think at least two of the people need to work on it. <laughs> Skittles. <laughs> the points say flavor. Oh. That orange. Just stop. <laughs> Lemon. I was going to ask you what Bond thing you've done, but you're going to keep on. I like the cherry. <laughs> cherry. And do a little more cobble. All right. Moving on. Oh. You've lost your window. We've got to check in with Delvin, the weasel skull. Pop, pop, hiss. <laughs> Williams. <laughs> Hi there, everybody. Hello. Hello, Delvin. <laughs> Except code names tonight. That's my bit. <laughs> He's happiest. On the podcast. <laughs> Delvin, what kind of 007 things have you been doing? Well, I decided to enter a pretty high-stakes jujitsu tournament. My end, my, my surefire thing was going there with my ability, but then my coach would have this chip that I implanted, and like he would like press the chip, and then mm. like the adrenaline would kick in, and I would just... Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Does your coach know about super butt kicks of doom? He may not. I'm kind of new, so like I don't want to just like introduce stuff like that to him. <laughs> Let's take this fight to the monkey bars. <laughs> You'll see what's up. I don't just want to show him those deadly moves. <laughs> that's so I have this great middle image of Delvin in like those Roger Moore fights. Dance and his teacher like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I can imagine like him having a half smirk. <laughs> Get out. Just go. Pat, are you still doing walking or do you want to chime in with Bond like thing you've done since last recording? Well, the Bond thing I did since last recording, see what I did there earlier? I sneakily got you to sidetrack to something else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Tricked you. I tricked you, Jared. I tricked you. That was your Bond move? Yes. You're I'm in timeout. Sorry. You're in timeout. We'll let you know when you can talk to me. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. <laughs> But Jared, we skipped you. What was your most bonding thing? Well, thanks for asking. I haven't really done a whole heck of a lot. I've stayed pretty busy in some other endeavors, but I did find some time to go down to the shooting range, practice my pistol shooting. I would say I busted some caps, Delvin. Bust some caps. <laughs> so good. Give to the know. man a cigar. <laughs> so good to know you can count on a guy with an obscure movie line at the drop of a hat. But yeah, I worked at a little marksmanship. Uh, I don't have a cool weapon like 007. I got a little 38 special. But yeah, that's it. Pop, pop. But no hiss. <laughs> so let me tell you guys something. We're planning on releasing this show monthly as a companion to the show that Van Alplexico and Alan Porter are doing. Basically, they're going through with that highbrow, deep dive, movie by movie, giving you the good stuff, giving you the insights, giving you the knowledge. And then we come along. <laughs> follow that with Tom Super, Super <laughs> high brow. Super high brow. Bad impressions. <laughs> 
and a little bit of fun. But really, honestly, the hook of this show is these new guys. They haven't seen these movies before. They haven't seen them in a very, very long time. So it's a little bit fun to get that newcomer's point of view. But yes, here on Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast, you'll get the Van and Allen show. You'll get this rookie agent show. We do interviews with some of the novel writers, comic creators, so on and so forth. We've got a lot to offer, and we like to think we're a lot of fun. But let's get started with today's film, A View to a Kill. But before we get our mission brief from Agent Jason, he's going to jump right into the action with no parachute. Ah. <laughs> and this is apparently little Richard has joined him. Uh, so. Don't worry, Good Jason. I'll catch you. I'll catch you, Jason. I'll catch you. Let's get to the segment called What Makes You Say That? I'm now aiming precisely at your groin. Says, speak or forever hold your peace. And what makes you say that? I'll be giving Jason a line from today's film, A View to a Kill. And hopefully Jason will be able to dial that back in his mind and give me the line that came before it. That's right. A lot of people will give you a line and give you the line that comes after it. You know, Jason's too good for that. He's a rewind in his brain kind of machine. Are you ready tonight, Jason? I can do it forward. I can do it in reverse sideways in Babylon tongues. I can do it however you want me to do it. Give me the line. All right. We've got two of them tonight. I know this movie is not one of your stronger suits. It is not. I'm all bluster right now. I'm a little nervous. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But I like the confidence. Okay. Here's your first one. I'm an early riser myself. I know the scene. i got to think back a minute. It's with Jenny Flex. Correct. I love an early morning ride. Bye, 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 bye. Bye. Had to work for that one. I feel almost bad about the second one. Okay. Because I feel like it's pretty easy. I just really wanted you to have this moment, and that's the only clue I'm giving you. Okay. The line is, a fellow sportsman. Is this when he's talking with Max Zorin at the party? He is talking with Max Zorin. Uh, They're not at the party. Oh, really? I thought he's gonna, that's when he said, what do you think about fly catching? Uh, here's, that- I'm giving you a little, little clue here. I feel like you chomp at the bit to say this line every time you think of this movie. Oh, I'm happiest in the saddle. There you go. <laughs> God, I can't you made it too hard on yourself. That, boy, I was, man. You like hung that. You put it on a tee for me, and I swung it. Hit myself in the nuts. <laughs> All right. Well, well done, Jason. I'm still proud of you, no matter what the other agents might say about you. <laughs> I, mean, you can't I struggled through it. <laughs> How about you give us that quick mission brief on A View to a Kill? Well, if you'll pay attention, 007, I won't keep you here for more than an hour or so. <laughs> oh, well done. Well This man has a secret ambition. I propose to end the domination of Silicon Valley. Project Main Strike. A secret plan. For which each of you will pay me $100 million. And a secret weapon. We're not sure about her. Name's Mayday. Someone will take care of you. Oh, you'll uh, see to that personally, will you? There's only one man who can stop them. Hold on, parachute! Is 
James Bond. And I'm Dick Tracy, and you're still under arrest. In the world of high adventure, the highest number is still 007. With Tanya Roberts, Grace Jones, and Christopher Walker. (laughs) Has James Bond finally met his match? Find out this summer in A View to a Kill. Title song performed by Duran Duran. Someone is supplying the Russians with top-secret military-grade microchips used by Her Majesty's government, and James Bond is sent to investigate. Teaming up with fellow Special Agent Sir Godfrey Tibbet, Agent 007 goes undercover to surveil his prime suspect, billionaire industrialist Max Zorin. Bond soon discovers that the psychotic Zorin is much more than a Russian spy as he uncovers the evil mastermind's plot to destroy Silicon Valley and corner the market on microchips. Teaming up with beautiful geologist Stacy Sutton, Bond navigates his way through a nest of thugs, Russian spies, and the beautiful but deadly Mayday in his quest to stop Zorin. A view to a kill dazzles the audience with ski chases, horse races, wild stunts, and death-defying escapes before the final showdown between Bond and Zorin atop San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge. But while Zorin, in his blimp, enjoys the view, it's 007 who serves up the kill, bringing an overinflated Zorin and his henchmen crashing back down to Earth. A View to a Kill is Roger Moore's seventh and final film in the 007 franchise. It brought in $50.3 million in the U.S. and $102.1 million overseas. It was the third directorial effort by John Glenn and starred Roger Moore as James Bond, Tanya Roberts as Stacey Sutton, Christopher Walken as Max Zorin, Grace Jones as Mayday, Patrick McNee as Sir Godfrey Tibbet, Lois Maxwell as Ms. Moneypenny, Desmond Llewellyn as Q, and Robert Brown as M. Back to you, Jared. Thank you for that, Agent Jason. And now let's find out what our rookie agents thought about this in a segment called Declassified. Do you expect me to talk? We're going to break this movie into a few pieces, get the insights of our rookie agents, and then Agent Jason is going to take them, after he gives his insights, into the scoring round. We're going to find out what they thought of this, and I think this one's going to be interesting. Don't you F with me, Delvin. <laughs> you F with me. Delvin was, uh, there was whispers of some controversial things he had to say about my favorite actor, so there's some very thin ice, I feel, here, but we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> All right. We're going to break this review up into the following sections. We're going to do pre-title sequence, the song and the opening credits, and then, of course, Agent Jared's Choice, where I pick something I think is standout or interesting from this film and get the rookies' opinions on it. And then we'll just go with their overall opinions for the rest of the film. So, with that in mind, rookie agents, what did you think about the pre-title sequence? And we'll start with 
Delvin, DJ Cristados. <laughs> so you can tell that the lead in story connected right off. For whatever reason, it just felt like it was going to be immediately connected to the story. And I think we had this discussion before. I like that. I like story connected, but it seems that most people like it when it's its own vignette, right? Like just standalone. Yeah, I mean, I like the standalones, but I, nothing wrong with the story connect. So no shame in that. As long as it's good. Yeah. yeah I like it when it's good, whether it connects to the story or not. All right. There are a couple of our clever things that Bond did, like to get on the snowmobile. That was really cool how um, he latched the whole ski thing and did all that. The ship that he wound up getting into, that was very cleverly done with the British flag, but it wound up looking like an iceberg overall. That was very cool, too. And of course, but I think this was the only time that it happened in a movie. There was just weirdly a playing of California Girls. (laughs) What? In a Roger Moore film? (laughs) Right. Say it isn't so. Right. You got to do it, I guess. Because, like, okay, he's kind of skied over water. California. All right, yeah, whatever. He did go to California in the movie. That's true. And there was a girl there. He was snowboarding. Yes, I do want to jump in on this and say that was snowboarding before snowboarding was cool. So that was pretty neat in 1985. But I wholeheartedly agree with Dolphin. Growing up, Jason and I had this soundtrack on cassette. And it doesn't have California Girl on it. It's got the Duran Duran song and then the score of the film. John Barry did it. John Barry's the Bond score. And the score on this film is so flipping good. Every time they cut to the California Girl, I'm like, why? You have such a good score in this movie. Why did you get away from it? And the answer is it's a Roger Moore film. Same with the slide whistle. I felt the same as with the slide whistle. <laughs> yeah. It always has to have, has to ruin that. Like, what a badass moment, man. 1985, no one's really seen snowboarding before. And then like, well, East Coast girls are right like, no, yeah. no. That's where you need. Yeah. Yeah. Bum, 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 Anyway, sorry, wound me right up, Delvin. That's probably not going to be the last. (laughs) (laughs) We can hear from Metronomus. All right, Pat, the dark web. Well, when I saw the opening, I was like, oh, good. Another ski action scene. Is that sarcasm, Pat? Yes. And then, no, no, it's not. on skis or something wrong with you. And then, oh, look, Bond's down to one ski again. (laughs) Hmm. Oh, how awesome. The Beach Boys. (laughs) I'm picking up your sarcasm, Pat. I'm oh. not liking it. I'm not liking I don't, it. I don't like it. Is that an iceberg ship? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it that is. was cool. That ship was cool. That was <laughs> yeah, ship yeah, cool. But what was even better ship. was what was waiting for him. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty cool insight. Was... The inside of that ship right. was really cool. Double <laughs> player. It wasn't like 008, come to pick him up. Oh, hey, man. <laughs> we got she five got days. <laughs> yeah, we got five days. What do you want to do? Uh, I hope you have a pack of cards, dude. Yeah, I see you got the caviar. I am famished. <laughs> <laughs> oh, been waiting in the ship all day, man. Oh, man, it gives me gas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Pat. Hijacked you again. No, I felt like we saved you because you were saying a lot of negative things there. Well, but not negative. I'm just like, okay, here. But it was a good action scene all the way through. Okay. I enjoyed it. All right. Yeah, that scene with the submarine is where I was in Iceland when I drove yeah. out oh, there to okay. see where that was. Yeah. Jason's been there. It's pretty dope. Uh, 
Well, now it makes more sense now. He found the thought-out body of Tunnel Number 3. <laughs> Just laying there. Well, let me ask you guys this. Speaking of dead agents, has all the agents died? You know, I don't think so. And, you know, they get replaced. The number just goes to something sure. else. But yeah. I don't think so. I don't think we've seen one or two. We saw 009 by it in Octopussy. Yeah. And, of course, three here. I can just think of nine and three off the top of yeah, my head. Yeah, I'm struggling with more than that either. I guess my memory's getting bad. I was just wondering. That was just something that when I was watching, I'm like, oh, this is three. Maybe I, I should have been writing down. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a really bad end for 006, but I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes for days. <laughs> All right. So now let's get the fresh take from the rookies on the theme song and the opening credits. Pat? Again, this is a song I'm sure everybody knows. You can know it by the title of the movie. You know who sings it. It's Duran Duran, A View to a Kill. It's a James Bond song, and I always relate that to it. But it's still got a really awesome beat, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And when, I, when he played it, I'm like, oh, man. It takes me back to the summer of hearing this song when it was out. It's just a great song, all in all. Still is a great it's song. Still, yeah, you're true. It is still a great song. When I heard it play again, I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. Delvin? I mean. If we're honest, guys, I can't even pull it off. I was- <laughs> <laughs> oh man, my whole set up like yeah, it's no Moonraker. Speaking of the credits, the opening was definitely racy, and I like that, you know, they were making the color red stand out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That was really cool. It got a little bit artsy, where Bond would shoot a gun, or anyone would shoot a gun, and it would be a laser. I <laughs> see your fingers. <laughs> Laser. So that was a little corny or cheesy, but the song itself, of course, is a classic. Not really much you can say about it other than I always like in the song, like if they're just rocking out and then they're just like, you know what? We're just going to put a pause in the song. It didn't go back to rocking out again. (laughs) And they did that. Who knows? Maybe that's how it's set up or it fits perfectly in the song. And then like the guitar comes back. Very good song. View to a Kill was a great song. Credit wise, though, I think it was interesting with the black light kind of that kind of effect that they're doing there. When I watched this through, I noticed as far as the ladies go, it's a lot more shoulder up Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you don't see a lot of the lady form. I saw a couple Lord. dudes on skis in there too. Yep. I did yep. It. Sometimes it's scary too, man. If you had your lights yeah, off, and I know. <laughs> it's like this kind of makeup was like, oh. Yeah, I know. It's freaking <laughs> me out. I'm like, I'm just going to close my eyes and listen to the music. <laughs> Don't look at me, scary lady. Don't look at me. She's <laughs> looking right at me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to die. I always thought that the live and let die one was scarier, though, with the lady when she like blinks and then turns into the skull. That is scary. Skull. But it is cool. It is. Yeah. There's a kid death. that freaked me out, though. Um, mm-hmm. See, that's another song that you know and you just, it'll take you right to it. Mm-hmm. Speaking about taking right to it, let's go ahead and get some ratings on this song. So, one through seven. Delvin, what are you going to rate this song? I am giving a view to a kill six out of seven. I don't have anything to add. It was fantastic. I enjoyed it. Pat? I am going to give it a 7 out of 7. This Ooh. is my jam. This all is my right. bad. Can't argue that one bit. You're not not playing around. Great nope. song. Jason? I'm going to land in Delvin's camp and go 6. Jared? I'm also going to camp in Sixville. Ooh. Very, very nice. fond of this song. Definitely one of the higher ups, but not the pinnacle. I've got some 7s to give coming up uh-huh. soon. <laughs> mm. 
I know I have a seven coming up. Delvin and I are going to give the same one a seven. I just know it. <laughs> yeah, solid song, Pat. Solid song. So sixes and sevens. It doesn't necessarily mean we're crazy for our British listeners. Let me try that again. British listener. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, why why would it be crazy? You don't that's like a, the that's song? A, that's a slang term. If you say oh. someone's all sixes and sevens, that means that's, they're kind that, of... That is true. That's right. I forgot about that one. Ah, I learned something new. That means they're kind of... Woo-hoo. <laughs> they're a little bit Zoran. Hey, see what it is? <laughs> All right, thanks for taking us through the song there, Pat. For the Jared's Choice segment this week, I want to ask specifically about tragic helper deaths. All right, we saw the death of Quarrel, Karen Bay, the blog guy from Modern Majesty Secret Service that no one remembers. Then, of course, we had Luigi and VJ. In this movie, we see Tibbet Wyatt at the car wash. <laughs> I want to find out for the rookie agents which of those helpers' deaths did you find most impactful? Because when I was a kid and Tibbet bought it in the car wash, I was upset. But I want to know which one was the most upsetting to the rookie agents. And we'll start with Delta. I want to go with Quarrel. Quarrel dying probably was like, oh, come on, man, move. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, we ain't got no flowers. Just move. Like, come on. <laughs> and especially because Quarrel was so great and helpful. But um, Tibbet's death was, I saw it coming. You know how it is with horror movies, right? As soon as like there's someone that's like completely reasonable, it's like, you know what? We've got to keep our head about ourselves. There's no need to pen Dead. dead. That dude <laughs> or chick is dead. Like deader than doornails within five minutes. It's going to happen. And sure enough, Tibbet's being all helpful and everything. Nice, playful banner back and forth. Was done. Like, he's dead. He's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going to happen. <laughs> what do you got, Pat? This one, like Delvin said, I, you saw it coming. I knew what was going to happen. The minute he threw the dirty water onto the... <laughs> I knew it. His time was coming. It's like throwing flowers on his grave. Like throwing thistles. Oh, <laughs> scare up oh, deep cut. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how the other ones died. They, I guess I really haven't. Well, if you don't remember, then they're not the answer to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which one was most impactful? Coral was burned up. Karen Coral, was yeah. The train. Blind guy was hanging off the mountain. Luigi was strangled in the car. VJ was cut by the buzzsaw. Oh, yeah, I don't like VJ's death either. But yeah, yeah I've already picked mine. It's definitely Coral still. Yeah, I'd say buzzsaw. Buzzsaw. You don't want buzzsaw that. death for VJ. Nobody wants that. That buzzsaw. bothered me when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one, man. I'll give you that. If VJ was very likable. You know? It's like, VJ, get to higher ground. Come on. <laughs> Quirrell's like, don't move, dude. Stay right where you are. <laughs> yeah. It's the monster on the island. It's going to get me. Quirrell gives bad the- advice. <laughs> Hold still. It'll be okay. Oh, well, thanks for playing along, fellas. I'll kick it back to Jason. So we're going to get to the highs and lows of the film from Agents Delvin and Pat. But before we do that, I know that Pat is chopping at the bit to talk about the double O player. Let's count them up, Pat. What'd you count? I counted about three of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You didn't say Monty Penny, did you? (laughs) Oh, forever, forever. Joke. Go ahead. (laughs) Your money penny boy. She's looking not too bad for her. (laughs) Have some respect. That's right. Don't get me too by money penny now. I just want, I'm going to jump ahead just one little bit. I like the way she was at the horse race Mm -hmm. and just her and Q just kind of having some fun there together. Yeah. 
You like the I way she it. got her wiggle on? Is that what you're trying to say? Mm-hmm. Come yeah. on, Blue, get a wiggle on. Get a wiggle, get a wiggle on. <laughs> you just saw that playfulness between the two, you know, having some fun while they were there. And Yeah, I dig that. Anyway, so I got three. What do okay, you guys So it's Iceberg Lady. Yep. Uh-huh. Grace Jones. Yep. And Stacy Sutton at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he had anything left for Stacy Sutton in the end. I think Grace Jones is going to break that <laughs> off. <laughs> well, they cut away. They cut away before he was like, listen. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. the fly. Yeah, had, yeah, had to... <laughs> <laughs> That's good enough. I'll leave you <laughs> Well done, Jason. <laughs> well, you know what? She, she was turned away just a little bit ago before that, so now she was going to get hers. Oh, that's right. Mm. She's all worked up from walking. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Warm up walking. Yep. That's what they call them. <laughs> <laughs> Got blocked by Bond. <laughs> Interception. <laughs> anyway, highs and lows. We'll start with Delvin. I enjoyed that there was the plot and the main characters were pretty much revealed right up front. And I kind of like that. You had Zorin and you had Mayday right from the beginning. Yeah, that's a good place to start for a high. Because, you know, sometimes like one of my complaints in some of the other movies is it's like an hour in and you're like, Oh, that's the plot. Not in this case. It's like, nope, got a bad guy. And he's stealing some chips that are EMP hardened. Let's go after him. Sweet. If you like a simple, straightforward plot, you might not want to pay a whole lot of attention to the next film. (laughs) (laughs) Widely regarded as the most unnecessarily complex plot. We'll get to it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Teasers. Teasers. Still a great film. Pat, you got an up or down? With uh, Zoran, what I liked about it is you don't hear him talk for like 30 minutes into the movie and he still hasn't talked yet. He's talking to other people, but you don't really hear him talking. You just see him either directing or saying things, you know, you don't get to hear his voice. I'm like waiting for that walking voice to, you know, let me hear him talk. Let me hear him. Well, I can it always do it. the impression for you. <laughs> yeah, sure. Go ahead. No, Delvin, I'm not taking the bait tonight. <laughs> Curses. Delvin was That's coming right. at me all wrong. It's the wrong tone. I stabbed him in the face with a soldering iron. <laughs> Jason, like yours is really getting better, dude. Like, <laughs> ah, That's really what I cool. thought. Thank you, Delvin. I appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Delvin, any more highs or lows? Of course. Let me get to another high here. I have to mention Mayday. I thought Grace Jones was fantastic in the movie. She was an excellent Bond villain slash Bond girl. I didn't know what to expect coming in, but you get the tell- for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like on point with impressions. Roger <laughs> Moore's like, chick. You can just jump off. No, I'm going to stay on. <laughs> you really don't have to. Yes, I do. For the plot point. All right. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> but before that, she had many good moments where either she was often somebody who Zor needed off or the whole chase scene with Bond where she came across looking like a bad so I was very impressed with Mayday throughout the entire movie. Very cool. Very Those cool. Wild eyes. Oh, yeah. She's very good at conveying some of that body language. I think at the party, Bond was trying to peek into the room and Grace Jones kind of like blocked away and just pointed her finger like, mm-mm. Yeah, look away. 
go yes. back to the party. I also like that scene when they pass each other in the hallway when he's being shown to his room and she yeah. like stops and she's looking at him. She's giving him that eye. She can't quite mm. place him, but she's like, this guy's trouble. I can't put my How could you not recognize, though, somebody that was shooting at you? She was running away, man. Well, she still had oh. to see him. It wasn't like he was hiding. She did throw a fishing rod right in his face. Yeah. <laughs> Well, her adrenaline was pumping, you know. She was trying to get away. Yeah. I can uh, let it go. I will side with Jason there. I got a briefing one time from a police officer, the active shooter briefing type thing. And he was saying that it took several times of him being in a situation like that before he could actually see the whole room. Because when that adrenaline's pumping, you are like in that fight or fight mode. Mm-hmm. So you're not really seeing anything else but how to get out. And you can really get get that tunnel vision where you're not even able to see everything. So it's highly possible that she's like, yeah. nope, my job was to get in here. I was supposed to kill this dude and I'm supposed to get out. Who is this person chasing me? I got to get away quickly. I don't know who it is, but I just know that this person is doggedly determined to come after me. I'll figure that out later, but I got to get out of here. Thank God he's so old. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, don't get thrown from your saddle. You can keep the horse. Give me another high or low. Well, I'm, I'm happy in the saddle. <laughs> keep working on it, Pat. I was too, Pat, by the way. Ah, yeah, thank you. Good. Thank you. I'm, I'm, just I'm working on it. I know a good impression is going to come, man. Thank you, Tillman. You're welcome. What was that? <laughs> like John Travolta. <laughs> thank you, Delvin. <laughs> yeah. There's some really cool gadgets in here. More in the beginning where they do some of the cool gadget stuff. You know, his shades were pretty cool. The camera ring. Yeah, that's cool. Pretty cool gadgets. I'd forgotten that there were some cool gadgets in this film. I agree with you. They're functional. They aren't crazy yeah. sci-fi gadgets. They're like, no, oh, they were, they were believable. Cool. Yeah. I wonder why they decided to not do the obligatory cue scene where he introduces the gadgets. Hmm, good point. Yeah, that is a good true. question. He introduced that robot. That was it. He loved yeah, that robot, though, didn't he? He only used the robot at the end, so it was kind of like, okay. Yeah, I mean, it had to be cool at the time, and you know if that was something that you could have bought at a store it would have been like like twenty eight hundred dollars mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i like that uh, looking back at the computers back then <laughs> oh man when he's looking up bond and oh he's got this eight-bit graphic of his store <laughs> but that was kind of his identograph right yeah yeah it was a bad guy identograph i suppose the geologist she had a little apple computer in her room she's lost everything but yet she's got this computer in her well let me see what the schematics are like or whatever i'm pretty sure that was missile command (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness delvin yes sir is home do you have anything else Oh, dude, I have several, but let me let me get a question to you guys. I know that Christopher Walken is known for his improvisational skills. Was he improving during this movie? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I would suspect probably not much, just because John Glenn wasn't really well known for letting folks improv too much. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Jared, do you have any insight? I don't have the insight. I just know that I once read an interview with Walken where he said that he would look at a script and his big thing was, where's the scene begin and where's the scene end? And then he just did what he wanted to make it go from point A to point B. So I got to think that some of that slipped in, but you're right. John Glenn was sort of a by the numbers cat. And I guess it would really boil down to like how much freedom Broccoli wanted to give him. Because, you know, Broccoli yeah. was a shot caller. So, you know, firmly, I don't know. That might be an Alan J. Paul 
support or question. But I suspect you're on to something, Jason. I think it's somewhere in the middle. Like, this is how the story has to go, but he probably still played a little bit. This didn't, is guesswork, though. Didn't he tell Bond he was improvising? Improvisation. <laughs> It's a sign of genius. Yeah, exactly. I'll piggyback on that with two quick bads. One is about Christopher Walken. Uh-oh. Cat's turn. <laughs> 45 minutes into the movie, and I was like, what is he bringing to the movie? I know. You're gonna have just to hold, like that? You're going to have to hold Jared back. One of these, I'm, I'm ticking off Jason. One of these, I'm ticking off Jared. I know. Since I said I was going to piggyback it at the beginning, again, it's about 45-minute point. I was like, Bond and Tibbetts, they were going after a horse. And that kind of didn't seem like much of a reason to have a double O there. Especially like from the start when I saw the horse pulled away, I was kind of like, is it a microchip? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a microchip. And they're like, ooh, we don't know what made the horse go so fast. And it was inferior strains. I'm like, microchip? <laughs> they're cheated? Come on. And then they're like, no steroids were found. I'm like, microchip! Come on! <laughs> No? Okay, you got to see it for yourself. Okay, I guess you need evidence. But I don't know. It just seemed a little bit under the level of a double O to me. Well, you know, he was more investigating how the microchip pipeline was getting out of control. And the horse race thing was kind of like the Goldfinger cheats at cards thing. It was like kind of getting an insight to the man behind it. The truly compelling character that Christopher Walken brought to the screen for those of us. Pay attention. I like Christopher Walken okay. as an actor, just not in this movie at all. That doesn't go oh, well because I feel, in my opinion, I'm jumping ahead here, but I feel like he's the best thing in this movie. See, I would have said Mayday was. I really enjoy Grace Jones in the movie. I thought she was really good. No, there's nothing it, wrong with that. Between her and Stacy, two women in this movie were vital to the plot, vital to the story, and didn't need no man to come and save the day for them. They could save the day for themselves. And I'm like, that is awesome. I am 100% for that at all times. I mean, Stacy was an awesome geologist who knew her stuff and they gave her lines that proved that she was a kick butt geologist. And I'm like, heck yeah, this is great. I enjoyed that a lot. Interesting. Stacy doesn't get a lot of love in the Bond community. Why not? A lot of people say she's more of a Barbie doll in the film. Really? You know, and I think that's easy to do because of the way she looks and her line delivery can be a little not as good as everybody else. But when it comes to her characteristics, you make a fair point. You make. I'd give up everything and live in a tent before I give up. (laughs) (laughs) I do agree with you on Mayday, though. I thought Mayday was. Yeah, she was good. Maybe that's the thing between the two, because you had such a strong character in Mayday that Stacy doesn't get, Mm, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's a valid point. I will say, though, Delvin, if you're going to give Coral a bunch of shit about getting burned up by that tank, you've got to give Stacy at least as much for getting kidnapped by that plant. Kidnapped at three miles an hour. Yeah, Move yeah, to your it, left or your right. Yeah. Step yeah. Back, it wasn't even on right her when it was yelling at her. It wasn't even there yet. It was like <laughs> way up behind her. She was very tired from the whole, <laughs> from the whole mind thing. 
<laughs> Let's go ahead and get Pat's final thoughts. Bundle it up. Good, bad, ugly. What did you think, Pat? With Zorn, I did think when watching him towards the end in the mine shaft and all that, I'm like, this guy, they said he was crazy. Then he just starts shooting everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this guy is crazy. He is crazy. <laughs> I was like, man, this guy is just brutal. He's just whatever. And he just takes everybody out. And then, well, what about Mayday? I don't care. That was a good scene to show how nutty he really was. He's like, all right, yep. You guys have outlived your usefulness to me. And laughed while he did it. Yeah, he was enjoying himself. For the Russians, the Russian guy, he's been in a lot of them, right? Yes, General Gogo. Okay, because I'm like, is this the same Russian guy? And, is, mm-hmm. and then I was trying to think back up how many that he's actually been in. Do you know? General Golgo, we got it. I know Spy. I know Your Eyes Only. This one. Jason, what else we got? He was also a Moonraker briefly. And it's the same guy, right? Yeah. He was in... Same Octopussy. Act- yeah. The same actor was in From Russia with Love, but he played a different character. Okay. So I'm yeah, like, he oh. pops up a lot. Walter Gattel. Is this the last we see of him? I was thinking about that too when you were talking about it. I was like, this might be the last time we see him. I've just found that interesting and kind of dawned on me that, oh, this is the same Russian guy, which is cool because, you know, it's being played out throughout all these different stories. You know, like a little glue that keeps it together, keeps you invested in the universe. He softened the tone a little bit for the Russians. Yes. All these films that took place during the Cold War, there was always some concern, particularly being in the UK and Europe, so close to the Soviet Union. Soviets were the natural enemy, but they didn't want to push things too far. And I think General Gogol was a good way for them to kind of lighten the tension a little bit. Yeah. yeah. A, guy, a guy on that side that's not so bad. He's kind of a good dude. Mm-hmm. All I got. Well, well done, agents. And really quick, let's have our veteran co-host weigh in on this one. Jason, give us your thoughts. And you got any bond bombs tucked away in your satchel? Well, my only thought is Roger Moore was really old. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to addendum on that real quick and just point out to our listening audience, and I got this factoid from the good people at JBR, but if you haven't listened to James Bond Radio, I will point out that Tom Cruise is currently older than Roger Moore when he filmed this movie. Well, yeah, I heard that too. That blew me away. <laughs> but the difference is Roger Moore probably isn't sacrificing babies and eating them. <laughs> I thought it was unicorn blood. <laughs> probably both. I don't know what he's doing, but it works. Mad respect. That's all I got to say, Tom. Mad respect. So this film, Roger Moore's last, obviously not one of my favorites, but after watching it twice here in the last couple of weeks to freshen up my take for this podcast, I do appreciate a lot of it. I thought it had a great opening scene, had a great score, probably one of my favorite scores, really, at least of the Roger Moores, if not the entire franchise. Great title song, good action sets. Some of it was kind of hokey. Let's just get the ugly out of the way of Bond coming down the ladder, obviously carrying a mannequin. (laughs) (laughs) We all know the scene I'm talking about. But overall, I thought this was a good last effort by Roger Moore, and it was enjoyable. Have a couple of factoids here about A View to a Kill. Roger Moore was 57 during the filming of A View to a Kill. That made him the oldest actor to play James Bond. Sean Connery was 52 when he filmed Never Say Never Again. A View to a Kill is the last time we will see Lois Maxwell as Ms. Moneypenny. Oh! So we have to wave goodbye to Ms. Moneypenny. Well, well, classy lady. She was, man. What a run. What a Heck run. Yeah. Hey, yeah. That's a phenomenal run. Give it a clap for Ms. Maxwell. Yeah. She was awesome. Money Penny's not going away, but the new actress will be taking over. Yeah. That's amazing. She was in all of them, right? I 
up to this point? I just think about? she was, yeah. Wow. Yeah. She makes just little, really short appearances, I thought. She makes the short appearances, but you know she's there. Yeah. There's, there's always something that makes her stand out, and she comes across as just awesome and classy and super helpful. Like, you can tell that James, no matter which James it was, had an affection for her, mm-hmm. and she was always just, I don't know, just that useful agent at that time for either James, sometimes for M. She was always there for that. So I enjoyed seeing Lois Maxwell perform oh, yeah. all of yeah. those movies. Yeah, she was awesome. She will be missed. And finally, A View to a Kill was Dolph Lundgren's first on-screen role. He played the KGB agent who draws his gun on May Day in that scene at the racetrack. Oh, really? Yes. And do you know how he got that role? I do. Did he break somebody? <laughs> no, he was there. He was on set with his girlfriend, Grace Jones. Grace Jones, correct. They were dating. <laughs> And then he got beat up by her? <laughs> I don't know. That's a fisticuffs I'd like to see, though. <laughs> I know. I would like to see that, too. See, I was going to go the other way. I was going to go to relations. Like, that <laughs> interesting relations. It's like, I don't... Do I want to see that? Do I not want to see that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm curious, though. I'm, I'm like picturing that Zoolander face. <laughs> <laughs> And with those 007 trivia nuggets safely tucked away, it's time to have our rookie agent score this film. Jason, take the lads through and let's find out how many martinis we're going to be drinking. I suspect we're all going to be able to drive home after this. Delvin, we're going to get this out of the way real quick. and You better not score this one higher than for your eyes only. How many martinis are you giving this film? Allow me a little bit of leeway here as far as time, but I will make my point here. Very first movie Roger Moore was in was Live and Let Die. And I distinctly remember I gave it a three out of seven. And I had a reason for giving it a three out of seven because I remember saying it was all over the place plot wise. But there are a lot of things that I enjoyed about the movie. And I'm sure that you guys know sometimes you rate something one thing and then you get kind of a backdrop on it a little bit of time you're like you know what if I had to go back I would probably rate it this instead of this that would be the case with Live and Let Die I probably would have given it about a 5 even though it was still all over the place it was really enjoyable Kananga was an awesome bad guy Teehee for instance Whisper memorable characters it was a fun movie just did a great job with it and maybe this one is in time is going to be one i might appreciate but not right now my rating for this is a three out of seven and jared love your brother i did not like christopher walken in this movie i thought he was terrible and for me he didn't pass the monkey test and i'll tell you guys what the monkey test is jared might remember me saying this before i know the monkey test just know you get yourself in trouble right now that's fine (laughs) The monkey test is if you can take a character, any character in a movie, take them out of the movie and replace them with a monkey, and it's the exact same movie. I just wow, <laughs> wow, that's that's harsh, man. And that is harsh. That's bananas, Delvin. That's <laughs> like I'm saying that, and I like Christopher Walken. I just did not like him in this movie. The plot was coherent, but the movie was probably 30 minutes too long. Mm. Like they did that whole scene in City Hall, and it's like, oh my goodness, why is this taking so long? Mm-hmm. And like yeah, the, the City Hall scene did kind of stretch on a bit. Even like the end credits, it felt like a prime time special, like that you would see on ABC on a Sunday night. That it was supposed to be some original movie 
you know, it's like Jim Bond is double alt seven. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It came across just a little ugh, not bad. Enjoyable parts, just overall not great. Well, I can't really argue with you on this one, Delvin, so I will accept your three martinis and be thankful because I think if I remember right, you gave for your eyes only four. So I kept that in mind. <laughs> So did I. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> For the rest of your life. <laughs> what do you want on your tombstone, that son of a bitch, Delvin? Four, Delvin. four Freaking martinis. <laughs> ratings out his tombstones, oh. baby. <laughs> Speaking of ratings and tombstones, how many martinis are you going to give this one, Patronimus? Four martinis. Wasn't too bad of a movie. Delvin's right where it did get a little bit long in that area there. It's like, okay, uh, let's just get to this point. Mm -hmm. I did like Grace Jones, her character. Action-wise, there were some cool spots as well, too. Story-wise, yeah, I think it could have been shortened up a little bit. But I did enjoy it. I didn't fall asleep through this one. It's a four for me. Well, all right. Let's pick up these martini glasses and pass it back to Jared. I would be interested in Jared's take on why he so much enjoys Walken in this one. Can you win us over? I doubt it. Walken's my favorite actor, period. I just love him and everything. Okay. I just felt like, like you guys, I felt like A View to a Kill was a little uninspired overall. And I just thought he brought that sort of weird Walkenness to it. I feel like he was really the only super interesting thing in the movie. But then again, I'm dialed into station walking. So let me add this. This will be a pretty decent defensive walk. And it'll be interesting to see what you guys find out about whether or not he improv. I just don't think they gave him much to work with. They came up with this wacky story about the Holocaust babies injected with steroids to get (laughs) like what? Super soldier. So he could be smart, but he's smart, but crazy. Like, really? <laughs> they didn't give him a lot to work with there. Like Kananga, for instance. I guarantee you, if they would have gave Christopher Walken grain to create his, a character, that character would have been freaking amazing. Because there are several times in the movie where Zoran and Mayday got the jump on Bond to a ridiculous degree, to where he is literally laughing at Bond. Like, you're mm-hmm. a dummy. I just think think that maybe they could have given him a little bit more to work with. My critique of Christopher Walken may have been harsher than may have just been more of just what he was given more than Christopher Walken, like the actor himself, because he's a fantastic actor. I'll tell you what, before we roll into our Patreon sponsors, I want to say two things about the film. And the first one is a question. It's not an official trivia question, boys, so don't try and get points. But I do have a question that I think you guys may have noticed. Does anybody remember what Bond was wearing when he and Tibbet got in a fight down in the secret veterinary stable? What he was wearing? It was like a black tracksuit. There you go. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tibbet had one, too. He was They're rocking. Both- the tracksuit. Yeah. Yeah. He those the guys white, white stripes on the, arm. the piping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. You come at a man in a tracksuit, you're going to get your ass whooped. <laughs> <laughs> we'll box you up and send you to ass whoopville. Population <laughs> you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the other thing I want to point out is I realize it's 1985, so they don't have the CGI to do this. And they certainly weren't going to kill a bunch of fish for no reason. But when they have that comical scene of the guy on the lake and they bring all the water down and he's just sitting there on the dry lake, no water in it, not a single fish flopping around. <laughs> Makes you wonder how long that guy, how many years he's going out to that lake fishing, not a single fish in that lake. I thought so too. He'd be like, this explains why I never catch it. 
have come out this lake for 42 years. <laughs> Never got a damn thing. Yep, there's no fish in that lake. Did either. anybody else notice the blood on the helicopter door on the opening scene? You said something about that in text, and I did not Yeah, know. I didn't notice it. Huh. I gotta check that out. Well, thank you, gentlemen. And now it's time to crown this episode's Double O Award winner. Pat and Delvin will do this by answering a series of trivia questions on a view to a kill. And Delvin is our current champion. What? (laughs) Pat doesn't even remember. He was so sick when he had (laughs) to take it last time. Yeah, yeah, he got whooped so bad. He's got amnesia. That's what happened. (laughs) My script here says Delvin is a current champion, but since he screwed up his review for Fear Eyes only so badly, Pat gets to go first. I write the scripts. <laughs> I write the scripts. <sighs> but before we sort all that out, let's take a quick break and thank our Patreon sponsors. These are the folks getting it done, keeping us in the deep pockets. So thanks, Patreons, and they are as follows. White Rocket Entertainment. Brendan O'Dwyer, Samuel Salvatore, Christopher Burleson, Carl Von Drunker, Phil Amthor, Willie Carden, Susan Trawick, Ben Spooner, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Justin Bean, Steve Trawick, Richard Stevens, Johnny Caldwell, Reynolds, Wolf, Joshua Corbett, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kanjian, Catherine England, George Gaston, Will Summerford, John McCune, Tom Anderson, David Evers, Andrew Barber, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Gerard Albrich, William Glenn Matthews, Joel Beckham, Theodore Gary, Shannon Butson, Taylor, David Hagler, Mickey B, Hugh Anderson, Shane Bailey, Mick Vigicana, Chris Thrash, Logan Chilton, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, Josh Teal, David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Warrior Earl, Mike Finley, C.T. Wayne, Dave Powell, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Chris Commode, Darren Pyle, Chris Wardam Wade, Jason Alberich, Randall Walker, Ben Amos, Ruth, and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor. You just call out my name. Spot on voice. John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig. You ain't got to lie, Nicholas Craig. Russell Milling, Matthew Wagstaff, Joey Miller, Mark Squire, Spanky, Brent Rumble, J.W. Pepper Rice, Michael Morton, Lawrence Caden are one time and anonymous donors, one of which is not anonymous, it is Surfer Chickify. And if we miss anyone, we do apologize. We record these well in advance, so don't feel bad if you've joined recently. But if we've left you off, just give us an email ohmspod at outlook.com. And if you'd like to help contribute to help us buy a new Fabergé egg. Hey, man, we can dream, can't we? You, too, can help sponsor the show over at Patreon.com. Just search the keyword Plexico, P-L-E-X-I-C-O. You can give as little as a dollar a month to help keep Agent Jason's acro jet topped off and ready to fly. And like those other folks whose names you just heard, you'll get a shout-out on every episode of all White Rocket Entertainment shows, including this one. As a Patreon, you'll get bonus materials, behind-the-scenes information on all White Rocket endeavors, including our novels, comic books, and more. Back to you, Jason. Let's find out who this bitch trivia double o award winner is going to be so he can lord it over the other guy until the next episode agent jared and i have each prepared three questions for a total of six we'll take turns asking each of our contestants a question you get it right that's one point you get it wrong your opponent has an opportunity for a steal most points gets you the coveted double o award two tickets to octopussy circus and all you can eat sheep size (laughs) while supplies last not available in all areas <laughs> Buffalo flavored sheep eyes? They could be. Lemon pepper. Could be. <laughs> Lemon pepper. <laughs> Honey garlic. <laughs> Let's start the segment we like to call Agents Under Fire. 
I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. Man, here we are, Delvin, current champion, going first or second? Second. Pat, who's reading questions? I'm going to have you do it. All right, Pat. Yes. Here is your easy round question. What was 007's undercover name when he went to Zoran's horse auction? James Smythe. I will take it. Yeah, that's close enough. Smythe. James Smythe. Sinjin, yeah. James Sinjin Smythe, which is weird because he says Sinjin. He says Sinjin, yeah, and then he finally says, well, it's James. Yeah, he says the first name's James, and on the computer printout, it says St. John. John. Yeah. All right, Delvin, let's keep pace here. What was the name of Zoran's horse? Pegasus. Oh, he's keeping up. We've got us a race, Jared. They are neck and neck. Pat, let's move into the medium round. All right, let's not horse around with this one. (laughs) (laughs) What was the name Zoran gave his plan to destroy Silicon Valley? I know the second word. Mm. I just got to figure out the first one. Mm. Main strike? Ding, 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 oh, ding, ding, ding. Boy, a- was that right? Yes. Yeah, oh, man. I knew it started with an M. I wasn't there. sure. Terrible oh. creative name making on his team. <laughs> it's the lamest name of a bad guy player ever. That's what, uh, that's what Sol was throwing me off. <laughs> yeah. The organization had a competition, and second place was blow stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> like, Should have gone with that one. That's the guy that they slid out the plane. <laughs> Third place was called Pop Pop Hiss. <laughs> pop Pop Chips. <laughs> anyway, well, I know Delvin was smelling blood on that one, but Pat managed to keep the pace. So, Delvin, here's yours. Okay. What? was the name of the horse 007 rides in the dangerous steeplechase? Inferno. Oh, man. I thought I was going to get you there. Shoot. Pat smelling blood. Oh, Pat. I I keep in mind I wrote this down weeks ago, but I know you know the answer. It's going to be a walk in the park. Where is Christopher Walken happiest? I'm just kidding. That's not you. In the, in the saddle. But it's almost that easy. I thought it was going to be harder. Than I this, was like, what? Yeah, but you both um, talked about it. Anyway, here's your question. Which double O's body did Bond find in Siberia during the opening credits? Oh, that's a tough one. You know why? Because I know it. It's double O three. All right. Damn. That was a difficult question. At the time I wrote it, I thought it was difficult. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, I I reviewed those. I thought it was, too. So don't feel too bad. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So, Delvin, you got to get this one. Name the Russian agent Bond shares a hot tub with. That question is a lot harder. (laughs) Well, now it is. It seems like it it is. (laughs) It really is. The agent is Ivanova. Oh, it's nice. All right, sudden death, Pat. You get this, you stay alive, you get it wrong. This is Delvin's game. How much was the check that Zorin wrote to Stacey Sutton? $500,000. Congratulations, Delvin. You are the champion. No. (laughs) For what is worth, it was $5 million. million. I knew it was for five. Oh, Oh, man. Oh, Oh, so so close. close. Whoa, what a battle. What a battle. Mm. Man, oh, what man. a battle, what a battle. But congratulations, Delvin. You're going to do the right and proper thing, I know, and lord this victory and over Pat until you meet into the fire. <laughs> next episode. It's all we need. Dance into the fire. Pow, pow. <laughs> you want it. You keep it. 
old buddy. Now for the segment of the show entitled Return Fire. During the Return Fire, our rookie agents Pat and Delvin get to toss Jason and I a trivia question they brought with them and attempt to stump the double O experts. Jason and I are working together, just trying to get out of this alive. We're not playing against each other. We are just trying to be healthy helpertons. I am the Karen Bay to his blonde guy. Karen Bay, Karen Bay. Blonde guy, blonde guy. <laughs> I've seen the times, I tell you. Let's get going with Return Fire. This never happened to the other fellow. All right, boys, who's shooting first? I'll go first. Since I had no help from these guys, it's time to take you out. <laughs> Both of you. <laughs> Man, I mean, we you gave had, you a really easy, hard round you know question. You yes, you did. I thought it was harder when I wrote it. <laughs> so, there was a white helicopter that landed during the horse party. On the tail, what was the number or letters that were on the tail? F-G-O-M-S. <laughs> Next question. That's it. That was wrong. It was a D instead of an O. Oh, was it? Yep. You can't well, blame a guy for having a bad picture. <laughs> I'm, I'm challenging this. <laughs> We're taking the win on that, just so you know, because I, yeah, I was going to guess F-U-P-A-T. <laughs> <laughs> what? Boom, Pat. What's bo- oh. oh. Okay, I think this is a tough question. All right. Okay. Opening scene after the credits and the song, they are in M's office, and M's talking, and there's a clock behind him. 11.25. You have to tell him? I had it at 11.30. God, Jake. It was actually 11.25. <laughs> no, I rewound it, sir. I rewound it. It's 11.30. It's just a little bit before 11.30. It's 11.25. That is more than close enough. I saw that one and was like, Oh. <laughs> Nicely done, guys. Agent Jared, what do we have in the eyes only mailbag this week? What, no small talk? No chit chat? Thank you, Jason. As a reminder to our audience, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send us your questions, comments, or trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our Twitter page at ohmspod. And if you like, you can even use the email. And as a reminder, that's ohmspod at outlook.com to send us an audio recording of your question or comment. We might even play it on the show we have a bunch today. Also, if you're an iTunes listener, we'd greatly appreciate it if you left a review for the show. This will help raise the show's profile and attract more of the 007 family to this program. And as a reward for leaving a review, we'll read your entire review on an upcoming episode of MI6 Rookie Agents. All right, folks, we got a lot of send-ins on this episode. I think we got like five different send-ins, so we really appreciate that. We appreciate everybody out there sending this stuff in. So we're going to move through these a little faster than normal tonight. We're going to play the audio file, and I'm going to pick one of the members of our crew to give quick comments. Only one person is going to make a comment, so make it good. and Be ready when the spotlight hits you, Pat. Our first clip is from Ruth and Darren, our research and development or rad team. You know them. You love them. Let's hear what they have to say. Hi, I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. Of the Rad Adventures Network. We're with Research and Development Q-Branch, and we're here to share our thoughts about A View to a Kill from 1985. Roger Moore makes his 007th final appearance as James Bond in A View to a Kill. The film has a bad reputation and is generally ranked near the bottom of 007 films by most James Bond fans. However, we like this film much better than the reputation. 
It isn't a favorite of ours by far, and some of the criticisms are definitely valid. But the film is fun, and that makes it entertaining to watch. Of course, the cast is what makes the film so enjoyable. Who doesn't like Christopher Walken playing a maniacal villain? And here he's in top form, obviously having a great time playing wealthy industrialist Max Zorin. Singer and model Grace Jones is perfectly cast as Zorin's no-nonsense hit woman. Tanya Roberts plays Bond girl Stacy Sutton, who helps Bond in his quest. Tanya Roberts was a very popular actress at the time, having appeared in genre of favorite films Beastmaster, Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, and she was also one of Charlie's Angels on TV. And we have Patrick McNee as Sir Godfrey, who helps Bond infiltrate Zorin's chateau. Patrick McNee starred as John Steed in the classic British espionage series The Avengers from 1961 through 1969, and its spin-off The New Avengers in 1976 and 1977. We love those shows. So he's the latest alumni of The Avengers to appear in a James Bond film, following Honor Blackman in Goldfinger and both Diana Rigg and Joanna Lumley in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Patrick McNee and Roger Moore became good friends during the 1960s, since both The Avengers and The Saint were filmed on neighboring sound stages during their long production runs. The friendship is readily apparent in A View to a Kill, as Roger Moore's James Bond frequently takes the opportunity to give Sir Godfrey menial tasks when he's undercover as his chauffeur. Most of these lines were ad-libbed by Roger Moore on set, and Patrick McNee perfectly plays right along, creating some witty banter. This is Roger Moore's final appearance as James Bond, and he's definitely showing his age. In fact, he's quoted as saying he realized he needed to leave the role when Tanya Roberts' mother visited the set, and he realized he was significantly older than his co-star's mom. We do love Roger Moore's James Bond, The Spy Who Loved Me, Live and Let Die, The Man with the Golden Gun, and For Your Eyes Only are terrific films, but it probably would have been best if he had bowed out a movie or two earlier when he was at his prime. And a little bit of trivia, this was the first 007 film to premiere outside of the UK when it opened in San Francisco. The film also has a disclaimer at the beginning, because after production was completed, it was realized there was an actual company in the US named Zorin. The blimp that is used in the film was originally used in the 1984 Olympic Games, and it actually takes 24 hours to inflate the blimp instead of the two minutes seen in the film. Multiple miniature versions of the blimp and the Golden Gate Bridge were made to get the various shots that are merged together for the grand finale. And now it's time for 007 Hits and Misses, when we share our thoughts on two low points and seven high points in the film. As we mentioned, this is a fun film with many high points, but there are definitely some low points as well. For me, the biggest low is the way actress Tanya Roberts is utilized in the film. They cast an actress known for action films like Beastmaster and Sheena and the TV series Charlie's Angels, but then they make her the typical damsel in distress who screams much too often. And my low point has to be the scene where a giant blimp manages to somehow sneak up on Stacy. Oh my goodness, really? Couldn't they have thought of something better than that? Enough said about that. Let's move on to this movie's high points with our top seven hits. Number seven, the spectacular opening Siberian ski chase. So many clever tricks in the sequence, which also features one of the first mainstream appearances of snowboarding, which led to an increased interest in the sport at the time. The scene also features some great helicopter maneuvers filmed with three different miniatures that kept malfunctioning because of the extreme cold, and the scene ends with an iceberg submarine. Great fun. Number six. I like that Q has a robot that looks a little like K-9 from Doctor Who, and I wonder if that was one popular British franchise tipping its hat to another. Number five, 
I think that Pegasus is a good name for a racehorse because of the connection to the flying horse from Greek mythology, and I like that Bond gives his winning ticket to Moneypenny and promises to take her out to dinner. Number 4. The excellent sequence at the Eiffel Tower in Paris, including shots of the famous Jules Verne restaurant. The scene was originally written by Tom Mankiewicz in his unused script for Moonraker, and it features a terrific parachute jump from the Eiffel Tower, followed by a spectacular car chase with some amazing stunts. Number three. I love the scenes at the French villa and the lavish party with period costumes and music. It was filmed at the Chateau de Chantilly, which is now open to the public as an art museum. Number two. The fun theme by Duran Duran, which became the best-selling James Bond theme at that point in time. They were chosen to perform the song after a member of the group who was a 007 fan approached Cubby Broccoli at a party and drunkenly asked to do the song. And number one is the dazzling sequence on the Golden Gate Bridge at the end of the film. The production team integrates scenes shot on location in San Francisco, along with scenes shot on multiple sets in the UK using various sized miniatures to create a seamless, action-packed sequence to end the film. Thank you once again to our friends, Jared, Jason, Delvin, and Pat, for letting us share our thoughts. Remember, we're RAD, R-A-D, which is short for Ruth and Darren. And research and development. All right, I choose you, Delvin Chu. What do you think? I did enjoy what Ruth and Darren had to say, and I thought they gave a pretty good appreciation to the movie while acknowledging that it may not have been one of the best Bond movies out there. And I cracked up laughing at the line about Bond and his co-star's mom coming to the stage. (laughs) And he was older than her. It's like, yeah, might be time to hang it up there. But yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Ruth and Darren. Indeed. Thank you, Ruth and Darren. Next up, I think you guys know what time it is. Zooter man. Zooter man. Zooter man. Zooter man. Let's go to our agent Z in the Netherlands. He always does good stuff. Let's see what he's got on a view to a kill. Hello, rookie agents. This is Don Zuiderman calling in from the Netherlands, and you have made it all the way to A View to a Kill, the very last Bond film starring Roger Moore. This time, I want to talk about James Bond in the snow. In the pre-title sequence, we see James Bond recovering a microchip from the body of 003, and we see plenty of inept Russian guards that immediately start shooting as soon as they have their eyes on Bond. But Bond makes a miraculous escape. He steals a snowmobile by hooking a line to a Russian guard. And while the guard is hanging by the line of the cliff, he even screams, Roger Moore. The scene is a tribute to the wonderful collaboration of director John Glenn and skiing legend Willy Bogner. Besides being an excellent skier, Willy Bogner also is a fashion designer, and Roger Moore wears Bogner ski wear, as do many other characters in the skiing scenes. For instance, when you see a close-up of James Bond's hands in gloves, you see a tiny B, which is the B for Bogner, not Bond. Well, besides A View to a Kill, John Glenn and Willy Bogner also collaborated on three other Bond films in the snow, uh, which are on a Majesty's Secret Service, which has two excellent skiing scenes, one during the night when Bond tries to escape Peace Gloria, and one during the day when he's finally being caught. 
by an avalanche. Then we have the pre-title sequence of The Spy Who Loved Me. That, of course, ends with the iconic parachute jump off the cliff. But James, I need you. So does England. But the whole scene before that was designed by Willie Bogner and John Glenn. For instance, when Bond has to ski backwards and fires the gun from his skiing stick and makes incredible somersaults in the snow. And lastly, the amazing ski chase in For Your Eyes Only, which sees Bond actually skiing down a bobsleigh run, which is absolutely phenomenal. And I have to say, one factor highly contributes to the success of James Bond in the snow, and that is the fantastic music that you always have. Just think of Bond 77. So there are still quite a few snow scenes in James Bond films to come. For instance, in The Living Daylights, which is your next film, and also in The World Is Not Enough, Die Another Day, and the last one, Spectre. Some of those are quite funny, some are tense, but the general consensus amongst Bond fans is that Bond was never better in the snow than when Willy Bogner was involved. I'd like to know what your thoughts are on Bond in the snow. What do you like? What do you dislike? And also, what are your own experiences? Skiing, bobsleighing, stuff like that. I wish Keep it up, guys. You're doing great. I love California girls at the end. Yes. But I said we're going to have one response per audio clip. And this one, I think I got to give it to Jason. I know he can't resist this one. So, Jason, what do you got? I love Willie Bogner. I agree with our good friend Zoidman there. Willie Bogner brought such great action and dynamic stunts to the James Bond franchise. I can't really top his synopsis. All I can say is that obviously without question the best scene belongs to the best bond movie for your eyes only for your eyes only stunt scheme was phenomenal blows them all out of the water and delvin can say nothing because i have been chosen to respond to this comment thank you jared (laughs) follow-up question was do you have any snow sporting experience i know that you do because i was there for most of it i do have one that sticks out in my memory got me in a little bit of trouble back in about 81 Agent Jared and I were taken by our father to go sledding, and we had one of those old school sleds that's got the metal runners and is wooden. We were taking turns, just flying down this hill as fast as we can. And Jared thought it would be a good idea to jump in front of my sled as I was going down that hill, and then dive out of the way at the last minute. Well, unbeknownst to Jared, I kind of panicked and I turned in the direction that he was diving. So my sled plowed right into his head. Oh. He was dripping blood there in the snow. And he's crying and crying. And my dad's running and grabs him. And I'm just laughing and laughing. And Jared goes, you're laughing at me and I'm bleeding to death. And 
<laughs> and my dad goes, oh, Jared, you're not bleeding to death. You'll be just fine. Don't worry about it. Right, Jason? And I said, I don't know, Dad. That looks pretty bad. I don't think he's going to make it. <laughs> and Jared about passed out. My dad <laughs> dropped Jared to start beating me like, don't say that. You'll put him in the shock. <laughs> Explains a lot, doesn't it, boys? Uh, it is worse. Yeah, I'm, 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 saying, I'm saying why Jason didn't get the good GI Joe toy. <laughs> that could be. That could be why I got snow job and he got the skystraker. Ironically, the Jared jumping out of the way thing. I thought I was being James Bond from Free Your Eyes Only. <laughs> didn't pan out. All right, next up, Agent I. With this Agent Eyes watching you, giving us that Fleming connection. This is Agent I with the Fleming connection for the movie. A View to a Kill, which isn't very much. The title of the movie comes from the title of an Ian Fleming short story called From a View to a Kill, but nothing much is used from the story, just that it is set in France and involves Bond going undercover. Everything else is written just for the movie. The villain in the movie, Max Zorin, is similar to Hugo Drax from the novel Moonraker, as he is a wealthy, successful man who Bond finds to be cheating at a game or sport. With Drax, in the novel, it is the card game Contract Bridge. We've seen this with a couple of movie villains, including Goldfinger cheating at Jin, Kamal Khan cheating at Backgammon, and now Zorin cheating at horse racing. I find that Christopher Walken does an excellent job portraying Zorin as a true psychopath, who appears to be killing people simply for enjoyment, rather than for profit or some other plan to save humanity from itself, like some of the villains from previous movies. All told, there isn't much of Bond's literary origins to be found in A View to a Kill, but the Bond of the novels can be more easily seen in the upcoming films as we say goodbye to Roger Moore and hello to Timothy Dalton. So, we'll talk more about that with the next two films. You can find me on Twitter at SeekOutWisdom. This is Agent I, signing out. Pat, what do you got? Well, I always like what Agent I brings because I haven't read any novels of Bond at all either, so I'm kind of new into that. So, it's interesting to get that kind of take on the novels and what was brought into the movies and what wasn't or where they may have just gotten some ideas from. So, uh, definitely enjoyed hearing a little bit more and it is piquing my interest to seek out some novels. Oh, he's at Seek Out Wisdom, not at Seek Out Novels. Oh, oh. Oh, I thought it was at Seek Out Novels. But either way, so. that's good. You can get wisdom from novels. Yeah. Thank you, Agent I, for that wisdom. Next up, we have our new friends over at the Bond Complex. They have their own podcast. They are our Canadian friends. Jason, did you run into them recently when you are in Canada? If I did, I don't know it. <laughs> well, it's a big country. Let's find out what the Bond Complex guys have to say on A View to a Kill. Hello on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, Rookie Agents. My name is Edgar. My name is Matt. And together we are the James Bond Complex, the podcast where we discuss the James Bond phenomenon in all its shapes and forms, from Fleming to the films and everything in between. Oh, oh. Uh, we're very thankful. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, speaking of O's, we were invited to leave a little Avtac review for you guys at the Rookie Agents show. Uh, very excited about this opportunity. We'll try to make it quick. Uh, Matthew, what do you feel? How do you feel when you watch Avtac? Um, entertain. Um, amused and not necessarily for all the good reason. I, this is one of those movies I love watching, uh, but uh, I'll be honest, I, I watch it mostly as, even though it has great moments as a great actor, 
it's a lot of um, uh, a, a favorite of mine of mine for uh, bad movie nights. There's a lot of cheesy elements, and uh, I mean, you can get drunk every time you can uh, see a stunt double and take a shot when Roger Moore is in action. Um, but Christopher Walken is great. Uh, Grace Jones is uh, a, 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 probably my one of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, Enchman or Enchwoman in that case. And there's a, there's, a, there's a, the, the song is awesome. Um, but there's elements like uh, Stacy Sutton. I mean, um, the, the last fifteen uh, minutes of the movie is just her screaming James or Oh James or variation on the same theme. <laughs> Uh, but the sets are great. The locations are fantastic. I mean, the Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, I know it's a set, but I, I, I still get copped in the moment. Um, so I, I, there's more positive than negative for me in this movie, even though I consider it a bad movie. There's, it's entertaining. It's one yeah. of, it's not a boring bad movie. As uh, it's, it's dynamic. It's fun. It's, it's light. And there's a, there's great intentional comedy, and there's accidental. Uh, <laughs> Uh, comedy just for, for the stunt it, it's stunt work and the doubles it's amazing um, so it's it's a perfect uh, movie night for for for, for fans um, or non fans I mean it's it's accessible because it's 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 kind of a good bad movie I don't know that's how I feel interesting well we've actually already seen this movie on the big screen which was quite something it uh, really got an appreciation for like you said the sets and the locations it's probably one of my favorite scores i think oh. this is among barry's best work yeah. uh i i do like the title sequence um I think my issue with this film and setting aside the obvious stuff about Roger Moore being too old, we don't need to get into that. Everybody gets into that. I feel the movie really runs out of steam once we land in San Francisco. It's a beautiful city and they do use it pretty well, I'd say, uh, like the Golden Gate Bridge climax, for instance. But I don't know. I, I really tune out in the second half whenever I watch this movie, which is weird because the first half in France is actually the part of the movie that has almost nothing to do with the plot. <laughs> the San Francisco yeah. sequence has everything to do with the plot, but yet that's the one that I find a little bit boring. Uh, I agree, Christopher Walken's pretty awesome. I'm a big uh, Grace Jones fan as well, and or Mayday, I should say. Grace Jones slash Mayday, almost the same thing, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so it's 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 very uneven for me. I don't outright dislike it, but it's just it's too uneven for me to, to for this to rank very highly. Uh, so uh, that's that's our mini review of A View to a Kill. Of course, if any of the uh, Rookie Agents listeners want to discover the James Bond complex, by all means, feel free. It's a free country, my friends, um, where uh, you can find us on Twitter at The Bond Complex. We have a Facebook page, The James Bond Complex, uh, an Instagram account. That's also uh, The James Bond Complex and Google Play. If you can Google that, I encourage you to do so. And, of course, there's iTunes. Uh, and give us a glowing gun, a glowing five-star golden gun review, that is. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Merci beaucoup. À la well, boys, I'm going to take this one. So, yeah, Edgar and Matt, I believe, out of Canada, Bond Complex, good dudes. They brought up a lot of the same things. We are pretty in lockstep on this. I'm big on that score. We mentioned that already. I'm big on walking. We mentioned that already. They talked about how the movie kind of gets flat once they get to San Francisco, and I can't disagree. I feel like every time Bond goes to the United States, it's just not as exotic, I guess, because I live here. So I know. I feel the same way. It's more mundane than when he's in someplace else. I don't know what it is about that. I agree with you on that. Yeah. They're driving through city streets and i'm like eh, 
Yeah. Seen it before. <laughs> and just like these guys, I saw this one on the big screen as well. As I revealed last episode, Octopussy was the first one I saw on the big screen. And go ahead and tell you, I've seen every single one since then on the big screen, with the exception of The Living Daylights. It's a sad and tragic story, but we'll get to it. But anyway, great job, guys. And mercy bokus to you as well. Uh, you had that accent just perfect. Thank you. <laughs> mercy bokus. Mercy bokus. I'm down here in Alabama. <laughs> mercy bokus, y'all. Okay, we have one more. Send in. I told you there's a bunch this time. We have Jeff and Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. They do a pretty fun little show called Unpacking the Power of the Power Pack. That's fun to say. And this one I think is pretty fun. I believe it was Rick who did kind of a surprise interview on Jeff about what he thinks of A View to a Kill. You know what? It speaks for itself. I'll just play it. Good evening, agents. This is Rick from the Junior Mission Control Center, also known as Jeff and Rick Presents. I'm just dropping in our report from the film that you viewed this evening. A View to a Kill. During a recent recording session, I surprised my fellow agent, Jeff, with a quick pop quiz on what he remembers of this seminal Roger Moore film. Please listen to the results. Pop quiz. Tell me about James Bond View to a Kill right now. Uh, Duran Duran did the music for it. What else do you remember about it? There was a Zeppelin. Yeah? And uh, I, I can't remember what the bad guy's name, but he had to do things according to schedule. Because okay. it was uh, Walker, Walken. Christopher Walken as the bad guy with Bridget, not Bridget Jones. Keep going. Uh, Somebody Jones. <clears throat> Somebody Jones. I think it starts with a B. Grace. Grace totally starts with a B. Uh, that was a Timothy Dalton one, wasn't it? Nope. No. Oh, no, it was a Roger Moore. Yeah. Uh, did, you that... see, did you see it in the theater or? Yeah, I couldn't even tell you. I definitely know that I saw it on VHS at home. One of your favorites or not? Oh, no. Okay. No. Thank you very much. Moving back on. Okay. So... <laughs> As you can see, our agent still has some work to do in order for him to get his own status. Really enjoyed the work that you gentlemen do. I'm glad that we could provide some resources to your ongoing efforts to train these agents. And hope to hear more from you. Signing out. Jeff and Rick, you guys. That's fun. Did Jeff shoot Rick at the end of that? Bridget Jones, he should have. Bridget Jones. <laughs> Little did you know, Mayday was writing a diary that whole time. <laughs> so as Mayday just keeps stopping to put entries into your diary. Dear diary, I think Zorin might be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should do a whole spinoff show where he just surprise attacks Jeff with, what do you remember from this film? And instead of rookie agents, it's called Rusty Agents. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> He'll play six with- rusty agents. I don't know. Zeppelin, Walken, Bridget Jones, Aquilary. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, thanks for seeing me, guys. That was that was entertaining. I look forward to more. <laughs> Dear diary, I just slept with a British agent. He had the oldest b- I've ever seen. <laughs> when Roger was laying in that bed, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks, Grandpa. Here's some milk. It smells like Geritol in here. <laughs> Why don't you just go to sleep? <laughs> it's 7.30. Matlock's off. <laughs> I miss <You> Matlock. <laughs> Son of a Why, oh. Mayday, where have you been? You did say you'd take care of me. Let- <laughs>
Oh my goodness. That is it for our audio file send-ins. If you want to be part of the fun, you can send those to ohmspod at outlook.com. We get enough of those. We're just going to have to do a little spinoff show. And look in our mailbag. We just have one email that I was a little remiss on. Gentlemen, we received an email from Cosa Nostra 25 back when we did Moonraker. And oh, wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, our email account filed it in the junk email. I said, that's no. the coconuts. <laughs> Down by the coconuts on Scaramanga's junk. I'll give this a quick read. Costa Nostra 25 says, Great job, agents, with the podcast. I enjoy listening to everyone's unique interpretation of Bond. Growing up in the 80s, more was my first introduction to Bond, but sometimes the campiness was a little much. I prefer sneaky Bond, Delvin, in the Cold War, setting with the British lion versus the Russian bear. It's why I prefer the plots of The Spy Who Loved Me, For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy over Moonraker. I think Star Wars set a high bar for Bond to meet by going into space. I was surprised that Moonraker's podcast, there wasn't much discussion around how Dragon replaced Chang after he was dispatched by Bond. Apparently, there's an evil henchman headhunter service that mega villains have access to because Drax is having a phone conversation with someone and he utters the classic line, oh, well, if he's available. The next scene has Jaws walking through the airport. I guess after Stromberg's business went under, <laughs> Jaws was forced to take tip and contract jobs. Let me know if you have the number for the henchman headhunter service. I have a few loose ends I need cleaned up before I start building my secret hideout. Looking forward to your for your eyes only and best wishes for 2019. Thanks for writing in, Costa Nostra. I'm sorry that we just dug that out a little late. I hope you got around to listening to this episode. Didn't give up on us because we found it. And that is an excellent point. Who is Drax calling? Who is this henchman tip? placement service. <laughs> Maybe it was Spectre and they just couldn't mention it. Oh, yeah, that's probably it. Like somewhere there's an elderly lady just whacking guys in the stomach with brass knuckles just like all day long, prepping them. <laughs> but again, apologies for getting to that late Costa Nostra, but thanks for being part of our family here on the show. Well, that will bring us to a close on this episode of MI6 Rookie Agents. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this crew and you want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can that be found? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. You can find the Longbox Crusade at www.longboxcrusade.com, or you can find us on the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel at Longbox Crusade as well, too. Back to you. Well, thanks to the fellas for taking on yet another dangerous mission, and thanks to the listeners who tune in. If you'd like to leave a question or a comment on this or any of our other episodes, feel free to contact the show on Twitter at OHMSPod or email us at OHMSPod at Outlook.com. We even find the ones that end up on Scaramanga's junk folder. Or you can contact any of us directly on Facebook or Twitter. My contact info is at Yard Sale Artist. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Jason, where can they find you? You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram. What about you, Pat? You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. What about you, Delvin? You can find me at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. We hope to hear from you soon. The next episode of MI6 Rookie Agents will feature... The Living Daylights. And remember, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return.
takes. Thank you, Miss Money Penny. That's all. That's all. Long guy that nobody remembers from our service. I've seen the advertising. I tell you. I've moved on to blonde guy. You're still Karen Baying me? Yeah. He, well, he's more he's more Karen Bay than you ever be. <laughs> I guess so. And it has to do with with uh, Zoran himself too. Is like we we see Delvin. When I make my movies, I, I put my pants on one leg at a time. Except when I put them on, I win Best Supporting Actor awards. <laughs> Yes. Jared, what was that, dude? What? That was Harrison <laughs> Ford. <laughs> <laughs> it's very young. I don't know. I'm pinned a man. Pinned a man yeah. pass. Hang on. I got to mute for a second. Delvin, piece of shit. I'm back. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Hang on. I got to mute again. Note to self. Cancel pipe bomb to Delvin's house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm back. <laughs> One of which is not a known as Ned Dip Ship. One of which is Super Chicken. How not the kitchen? <laughs> the doctor or whatever, the horse doctor. Horse the doctor. Horse, the horse doctor, that's what I call him. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's angling for outtakes tonight. <laughs> Why did you suck so bad when scoring for your eyes only? <laughs> well, it, it's, I'm, kidding, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, I had an answer. I know you did. I know you did. But I don't think I was going to like it. So I'm going to ask you the real question. It may have been a D. I, I might not be reading my. I thought I wrote O, though. I had to look at it again. It, you can see that it kind of turns into a D. But, <laughs> but <laughs> look, I mean, three go by. You have to say something. I know, right? Yeah. I was being a good rookie agent. <laughs> oh, you I miss did, you. Yeah. Okay, I miss you too. Here we go. I miss you so much. I followed you today. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now close your mouth because you're cold busted. <laughs> Thanks to the fellas for taking on yet another dangerous mission, and thanks to the listeners who tuned in. Jason, stop it! Oh, shit, I thought I was muted. <laughs> How takes? <laughs> Unless there's a Felix Lighter update. There is a Felix Lighter update. Uh oh, pop, pop, hiss. Let's do this. I, I am so glad you asked. Felix Lighter is tasked with uh, taking down the leaders and bosses. Uh, in America, who have infiltrated and they have taken over the largest office building in the United States. So Felix Leiter is in the upcoming spectacular movie, Pentalabia. Oh, get it. You say Pentalabia? Is, is this a name? Somebody needs to explain this to me. I'm lost See, too. It was like octopusy. <laughs> Pentalabia? Like a pentagon? <laughs> Word up Good job. Is Good the job. code word. No matter where you say it, you know that you are you super thing.
No plan for me. Come on, baby, tell me what's going on. And this is why it takes us a And that's a wrap for this episode of Longbox Crusade Elseworlds. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll see you around the alternate dimensions in the future. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at josephlin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. <laughs>